Paul just kind of broke out into prayer sometimes, just the way he was. You know, I feel sometimes for uh, secretaries or clerks who are trying to keep up and record someone talking, minutes of a meeting or whatever, you know, because things can just go all sorts of different ways, we know, and, and it is tough to try to catch up. And imagine if you were Paul's scribe. Because remember, Paul didn't handwrite his own letters. We know from his letters that he would sign them in, in, in his own uh, hand at the end. In fact, one of them says, see, with what large letters I sign my name. And a lot of folks uh, take that to mean they feel like Paul probably had some type of, of eye disorder, didn't have the greatest sight in the world. And so rather than pinning his own letters, he would, he would uh, speak them. And basically, he's sitting here preaching. You know, and someone is trying to keep up and record all that he says. And, and he'd start building on theological truth and theological truth. And, and, and you know, he'd kind of be on, on, a, on a track, on a different, a, a particular direction. And then all of a sudden, he would just break out into uh, song or prayer. And, and in Ephesians, the, the passage we're looking at today is actually the second time he does that. In, in chapter 1, he kind of breaks out into prayer all of a sudden in the middle of his teaching. And here in chapter 3, he does the same. Now, before we read, let's talk about how Paul wrote most of his letters, or the big fancy Bible word for it is epistles. Um, these letters he wrote that became books in our Bible, Paul had a general pattern that he followed. He would take the first half of the book most of the time, and he'd give, here's the meat, here's the deep theology, here's the deep teaching, here's exactly what you need to know about God and yourself and sin and forgiveness and all this. And then in the second half of the book, uh, he would go into the practical application. He'd say, now that you know that you are redeemed by God, here's how you should live. Now that you know Jesus is Lord, here's how that affects your behavior. And um, he follows that in most books, even Romans, that is the most theological of all the books. Uh, he, 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 it's not all theology. He goes all the way through chapter 11, and then in verses, chapters 12 through 16, he goes into it. Now, here's the practical application. But Ephesians, he follows his general pattern, which is about half and half. So when we get to this Ephesians 3, he's basically finishing up. Here's all the doctrine. Here's all the, the good teaching, the deep theology that I want to teach you. And he kind of finishes that, finishing up that pattern, he goes into this prayer. So if you would, if you um, are physically able, would you please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read in verse 14 through the end of the chapter. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of, this glorious, out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we learn by example. We learn by watching others who have gone before us. And in Scripture, Father, we are privileged to see the ultimate example of your Son, Jesus Christ. But Lord, also so many saints of the faith. And, and here in Paul's letter, we're able to catch a glimpse of his prayer life. And I pray that this picture of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians would provide a template for us, a pattern for us, that would show us how we might pray, how we might be more invested in you and all that you have for us. God, we ask that you'd bless the reading and proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul starts with the, our passage with saying, For this reason... I kneel before the Father. What is, reason, what is this reason? Like a passage that starts with the word therefore, you always need to go and look and see what the therefore is there for. When you see something that says, for this reason, you need to back up and say, what reason? And the reason that Paul was describing in the earlier part of chapter 3, he'd been describing all the awesome stuff God had did had done in him and through him and, and for the Gentiles, that's us non-Jewish people, how God brought us into the fold and made us equal members of the family in Christ. And he's describing all this amazing stuff. And then he says, by the way, don't get all frustrated and down and disappointed over my suffering, which he was imprisoned at the time that he wrote this letter. Many of his letters were written in prison. And by the way, the things that happen in your life that you think are a waste of your life or a detour from your plan are actually many times the thing God uses to bring his plan to pass. So when you think, well, this isn't what I wanted, this isn't what I chose, this is, shouldn't have happened, God knew what should happen. We probably wouldn't have got a lot of these letters that are in the New Testament from Paul if he didn't have some serious downtime in prison. And God used that time in prison to inspire him to write what we take as Holy Scripture today. And Jesus uses to uh, live, to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. So here he is. He's talked all of this amazing stuff. And he says, now, guys, God is good. His mercy, his grace, he died for us. He chose us. He blessed us. He redeemed us. All of this amazing stuff. Don't get all upset just because I'm in prison. You know how easy it is for us to have one bad thing that can happen and all of a sudden that colors everything? Like everything else in our life can be going good, but one bad thing happens and all of a sudden that's all we can focus on is that one problem. It's like we, we can't think of the million other blessings we have at the time, but that one broken relationship, that one medical problem, that one financial issue, that one thing at work, that one friendship that's messed up, whatever it is. And, and Paul's saying, I'm telling you all this incredible stuff 
don't let it be such a downer. I'm thankful that you're concerned, but don't let it be such a downer that I've had to suffer. He said, because the sufferings have actually turned out for God's glory. And that's why he says, for this reason, I kneel. He's saying, I'm about to say a prayer for you guys. I am inspired to burst out into prayer because I'm so excited that God is even getting glory through prison. He's getting glory through suffering. When your life is going great and you're on the mountaintop, God's getting glory. But guess what? He doesn't lose glory when you're not on the mountaintop. God gets glory when you're in the valley. God gets glory wherever you are. He can use all things for the good of those who love him. So we get here and he says, I kneel before the Father from whom every heaven and earth, every family in heaven and earth derives its name. In other words, we all, every family, its origin is in God. He's the Father. He's the ultimate one that came up with the design of the family. And, and all, all the families on earth came from him. And then he begins to do this four-part prayer request that I would really say is this is his epic prayer, this four-part prayer request um, for the saints at Ephesus. Number one, he wants there to be inner strength. He wants there to be inner strength. I used to have a, uh, I remember a, a fellow that my older sister used to date, and he was a skinny little fella. I mean, real skinny little fella, but he liked to act big. And I, you know, I was a lot younger than him, so I stayed far enough away from him that he wouldn't get me if I said something sarcastic. But, you know, I might would say, well, he'd act all big. I'd be like, where's the muscles? And he'd say, inner strength. It's inner strength. You know, that was his thing. You can't see my muscles, but I'm strong. Well, this inner strength is not a physical strength at all. There are people who are wiry and are way stronger than you think they are. They don't have the big bulky muscles. But this is not a physical strength at all. It is a strength of spirit that he's talking about. And he's praying that the Ephesians would have this inner spirit, this strength within them, that when those tough time came, comes, when those things come along, that it doesn't matter whether it's them or one of their loved ones, that it would sustain them. When we go through life isn't it interesting that you will have different friends and acquaintances who go through almost the same exact situation. One will go this direction and one will go a rapidly different direction. And you'll often wonder, why is that? How was how it so different? Why, why did things change so much? And, and so often it has to do with the things that are inside us that no one else can see. He says here, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In other words, God's got all the power. The only thing is you need to access it. And I'm praying that God will give you that power and that you will take that power and that you will use it to go forward. The second thing he prays for them is for a deep, deep faith. In verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, this is not about salvation. This is not about, you know, when you first trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oftentimes, even though it's not in the Bible this way, oftentimes we present that as ask Jesus into your heart. Um, this is not talking about that. He's already talking to believers who are, these are already Christians at Ephesians. 
He said, I want Christ to dwell richly in your heart. In other words, I want Christ to be at home. I, I don't want your heart to be a place that maybe Christ just has a toothbrush. Maybe he has a, maybe there's a, a futon where he can stay sometime. No, I want him to be comfortable in every area of your life. I want him to fully encompass your heart. I want you to have given him control of everything. Uh, quite a number of years ago, probably it's decades now, there was a, there was a little booklet, a Christian booklet called um, Your Heart, Christ's Home. And that booklet talked about the fact, it kind of made an example of someone, Jesus knocking on the door, coming into someone's home of their heart. And uh, what would Jesus think about what's in your living room? What about in your bedroom? What about in, in, your, in your washroom? What about in your, in this book, you can tell us the old book that said, what about in your study? I don't know if any of us have a study, but you know, it's interesting that we often want to let Christ in to a certain degree in our life. And Paul said, I want him to dwell richly. Not that you just say, yes, I have Jesus because I've prayed a prayer and, and I believe in him. But that Jesus is a part of everything you do. And that you don't want to do anything that's going to bring shame or take away from his glory or take away from all the things that he has for you. So Paul prays for this inner strength. He prays for deep faith. And then he prays for an abundant kind of love. We continue reading verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And that you know this love that surpasses knowledge. Wow. Paul says, okay, he, he, he knows that if he just prays, I'd like for you guys to, to learn about love or to know love, that they probably, oh, yes, I learned back in the day, Jesus loves me. I mean, that right away I learned that. I've known that for years. He says, being rooted and grounded in love, in other words, I know you all have the basics. You know that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I know that you understand that. You're rooted and grounded. You got the basics. He said, I want you to explore and understand God's love in a much greater way. At first, when I was looking at this, I got the idea of he's saying instead of a surface level love, it's a, I thought at first it was a three-dimensional love. He actually goes into four dimensions somehow because he talks about width and height and depth. And he says four different things, not just three. But it's, it's a, an idea that God's love is so much richer and greater than we could possibly imagine. You know, as, as we were singing um, our last praise song, we, talk, we sang the words, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And what he would say here would be to, yes, yes, that's exactly what I want to see. I want God's love to be everything in your life, that you get how important, that it's not just a word, it's not just something, a song we sing about, but that the love of God that you're understanding 
would just continue to grow. And not just knowing about it in this way, but an experiential understanding of God's love. That you receive it and that you give it to others as well. You know, love is one of those words. We can say, I love my dog. We can say, I love my sister. But those are two different kinds of loves, hopefully. Uh, hopefully, the love for your sister is greater than the love for your dog. Um, but, you know, we need to go beyond saying, when you, we hear a message or a Bible study about love, saying, oh, yeah, I love, God loves me. I should love everybody. Yeah, 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 got that. Paul's saying, you don't got it. You got the very beginnings of it. You got the basics of it. Uh, you learned first grade math. Don't quit and say, I don't need math in second grade because I got first grade math. No, there's a whole lot more. It's so much deeper. It's so much broader. It's so much higher than you can imagine. I want you to under get all of that. And then the fourth thing he prays for is for God's fullness. So he prays all this stuff that there's Christ dwelling in hearts through faith. And then you skip down to the bottom of verse 19, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, Paul is at the risk of repeating himself, you know, filled to the measure of the fullness. I don't know if that's a great English writing form. You know, we try to change our words and not reuse the same word or the form of the same word. But Paul just wants... He wants you to understand, look, I want you to get all of it. I want you to be filled to the fullness, filled to the max. I want you to be overflowing with everything that God has for you. In other words, Paul is saying there, are so, there is so much that God has for you that his spirit wants to do in you that many of you have settled for less, that many of you have not. You, you've just said, well, I've got I've got some God, I've got some of his spirit, I've got some of the family of God, and, and that's okay. And Paul says, no, don't be okay with less than all of it. Don't be okay with less than all of what God wants to do in you. And this is not a physical or materialistic thing, a financial thing. This is about God's spirit working in you. Don't settle for less than everything he wants to give you. Keep seeking, keep searching, keep loving, keep praying, keep getting on your knees. By the way, when he started this thing and he said, I, for this reason, I kneel to the Father, that was actually an unusual thing in his day. You know that the normal Jewish position for prayer in his day was standing up and often with hands raised to heaven, maybe even face up to heaven. That was the normal standard Jewish method of prayer. So on those occasions in Scripture, when you see someone getting on their knees, that wasn't just normal routine prayer. Uh, that was a, wow, I am lowering myself and getting on my knees before God. I am so earnest. I am so about this. I just want you to know how important it is. Paul wants these Ephesians, who are already great people, but they were people who were, as much as they believed in God and trusted God, they would get knocked off course sometimes by 
bad things happening to them or bad things happening to himself as the apostle, and they, they get thrown off. And Paul said, look, I know y'all are great and awesome Christian people, but I'm going to pray that God takes you to the next level, that he keeps on growing you, that he strengthens you on the inside, that strength to fight through those tough times, that he gives you a deeper and deeper faith, that he grows you in your understanding of love and in the fullness of all that he has for you. Paul says, I want you to have it all. And he goes into here, and he's kind of done with that part of the prayer for them. And then at the end, he just gets excited again. And he starts just going on and bragging on God. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So in other words, all that stuff I've just said, don't think it's impossible. Don't think it's unlikely. God can do all that and more. According to his power that's work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, I just kind of have a feeling that that scribe might have picked up the pen and started saying amen at that point. Because Paul had gone from just speaking this letter to preaching. Sometimes, sometimes we, we need to learn to let go and let God out and get excited and pray, praise him. We have, um, we have times when we need to, it's so funny. Often Christians feel like we got to be so proper or something like, you know, proper is not one of the fruits of the spirit. Did you know that? Sometimes we, we might consider it to be, but it's not. Um, in fact, we just looked at recently David and, and how he worshiped before the Lord. And, you know, we need to be able, there's different types of folks that, that express their love and joy for God in different ways. But let yourself have that heart like David that says, I'm not, I, I'm just worshiping. And I'm not overly concerned about what, how others evaluate my worship. Now, it's funny because... Um, we, we do different things. Sometimes, occasionally, people raise their hands. Occasionally, we'll, we'll have some, some amens every so often. Lenny's one of my ameners. And a, a few weeks back, Mark told me, he said, I don't know if you heard me, but amen just slipped out. I couldn't help it. You, you said something, and I, I just couldn't help it, and it slipped out, you know. And, 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 you know, there's all kinds of different ways that we respond to, to God's speech. Sometimes it's, it's a nod, like, yes, God, that's it. Uh, sometimes I've been in places where people say glory or hallelujah. I have, uh, one church that I was involved in, they all the time had the little, almost a responsive thing where, where it was um, God is good. Anybody know what comes next? All the time and all the time, God is good. So that's a way that, that's one way churches can express things. Now, I just learned a new one a few weeks ago from Miracle, all right? So Miracle told me about it in a previous church, so I'm, I'm embarrassing her because I only jokingly told her I might do this, but now I'm putting her on the spot. So in a church that she went to, they, would, they had a saying, Mighty God, and then the response to it was, God be praised. And so I kind of like that. So let's try that one. Mighty God. God be praised. All right, you didn't think I'd do it. Didn't think I'd do it, but I did. All right, so we need to... 
sometimes, like the Apostle Paul, he got carried away. Sometimes we need to get carried away for Jesus. And not just at this church. I'll never forget um, one particular time I was sharing my faith with someone. And at the beginning of the conversation, they were not interested <laughs> really at all. But they were talking to me. I mean, they weren't like, get out of my face. But, and we talked for a while. And that person ended up at the end of this conversation, which happened about 20 minutes later, he said, you know, I know this is something real because I can see it in you. And all I knew, I wasn't wearing a Jesus t-shirt. I wasn't wearing a WWJD bracelet. But all I knew, know is that I was talking to this guy, and, and I was listening to his background, his experience, how he grew up as an atheist, and, and, and all of this stuff. And, and I just... He shared his experience, and I just happened to share mine. And I just happened to tell about some things that Jesus had done for me, and I just happened to get excited because they were awesome things that Jesus had done in my life. And I think so often we don't have to have some special magical words. By the way, this experience in my life was when I was very young. I was in college. I hadn't, I hadn't been to seminary. I hadn't had all some magic Christian training for advanced people. No, it was just I happened to be telling about what God was doing. And this other young guy I was talking to said, wow, I, I really think there's something real because I see it in you. Let God fill you with his knowledge, with his fullness, with his love. And let it spill out. Let yourself get carried away with God. And you know what Paul said? Like he, he would have said, just like he said about everything else, that'll give God glory. Whatever God is doing in your life as he's working, whether it's a good circumstance or a bad one, as you continue to walk with him and live for him, God's going to be praised. Pray with me this morning. Lord God, I come to you. And Father, I want to repent of the times that I've been more concerned about my appearance than I am about your glory. When I've been more concerned about what others think of me than I am about what you think of me. And Father, I pray that I would grasp and I would seek and I pray the same thing for every brother and sister who's here in this place or watching this online. God, that we would all grasp and seek for everything you have to give us. All of the love, the faith, all of the, the knowledge, all of the strength. Everything you want to give us, Father, let us not settle for less than the full measure of what you have for us that our lives may please you, and that glory may come to your name. God, we pray and we ask all these things in that precious name of Jesus. Amen.